We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 140. Scott, what's going on? Man, I've had a good weekend. I am, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm, fi- I'm very happy with my weekend. I think the Yankees finally, finally, finally came back and, uh, and took the thorn out of their ass for, that is Tampa Bay and the, the ugly-ass trap. I'm glad we don't have to look at it any longer. And uh, finally, we uh, won a game moving into the next week, which is always good. It's never never good to lose a game before we record. Memorial Day is next weekend, and I think a lot of people say that's when the baseball season is officially uh, underway. That's when you know what kind of team you have once June 1st is in sight. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, it, you have enough of a, of a sample size. I keep talking about this sample size. I feel like someone's called me out on 
the uh, the term sample size. But the uh, it is. I mean, it's a, it's enough of baseball now, so you kind of know who 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 the team is. I think you know a lot better of an idea of who individual players are. So you know, I think the the rest of the league is also paying attention, so they know too. You know, it's not just the people that are watching; it's not just us; it's everybody else in the league. So adjustments will have to be made from here on out. Trends, both good and bad, right. are starting to form. This is true. And, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of things though that still are up in the air, like with the Yankees' injuries between Greg Bird and now Araldis Chapman. So there's still a lot that I mean. We're, we're two months into the baseball season. That's a lot of games, but we're not even at the halfway point, not even close to the halfway point. So still a lot of baseball to play. But but I always think June 1st. I remember I forget. Um, I think Joe Torre. That was one of the big things Joe Torre always used to talk about. You know, I think maybe Joe Torre put this in my mind then. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my birthday is on June 5th. And I always, I think up until like last year or the year before or last, honestly, it's, which is pathetic. I thought I had a, I thought I had a summer birthday. And it turns out that it's still spring until like June 20th. So my entire childhood, I thought I had a summer birthday forever. I've always thought I had. I thought summer was June, you know, June, July. And uh, no, I have a spring birthday. It was disappointing to me when I found that out. Were you in school usually on your birthday? Yeah, because in Jersey. You didn't have a summer birthday. I know, I know. But I was like, it's still like the summer's there. In Jersey, we went to, you know, we were like late June. So it was a yeah. it was a long school year. I'm June 19th, so technically I have a spring birthday, but school was always done by June 19th, so I had a summer birthday. Yeah, but you didn't though, because it's the 20th is the first day. But if you're no longer in school, if you don't have to wake up and go to school, it's summer break. You have a summer birthday. I'm, I'm sorry. Going, to, uh, I'm sorry to rule. disappoint you. It's still a spring birthday. <laughs> I mean, Regardless, if you have a spring birthday, if I have a spring birthday, you have a spring birthday, bitch. That's that's what's happening. <laughs> uh. 25% off in the fan shop for this week. Use code Gliber because the big news right before we started recording is Gliber Torres was called up to AAA. We're going to get into that. We actually have a mailbag question that's about, about Gliber Torres, so we'll talk about him later in the show. But for 25% off in the Bronx, Bronx Pinstripes fan shop, use code Gliber. And Scott, we are inching closer to June 10th. We've sold a ton of tickets. It's going to be an awesome event. What do you need to update people on? So I have sent out an initial email to people that have already purchased. We are over 275 people now who have purchased tickets to this event on June 10th. So let me tell you what. We have talked about expectations on this show many times. Expectations about the season, expectations about players. Well, I have adjusted my expectations now for this event in the sense that the Yankees originally gave us 100 tickets. Then they bumped it up to 250. Now they've given us 395 tickets, which will almost sell out 205 and 206. There are some seats that are unavailable because of season tickets and whatnot. Now, my expectation and what I want to do, my motivation, is to sell out these 395 tickets. So if you are listening and you have already purchased tickets, tell your friends, tell everybody around you, get a bigger group, spread the word. The, the amount of uh, just unbelievable presence that we will have if we sell out those two sections with almost 400 people will be phenomenal. And I, I want everybody to experience that same same beautiful day, that beautiful event of, of selling out those two things. So tell everybody, tell the world, if you have not, purchase your tickets, buy them now, hurry up. This Wednesday is the cutoff for getting your t-shirt at the event. If not, I'm going to have to add a couple more dollars to the event tickets so that I can mail you your t-shirt afterwards. 
uh, and it will be on a separate run. So keep that in mind. You will not get a t-shirt day of if you purchase after Wednesday. In other words, make new friends just to invite them to this event. Yeah. And look, this is going to be an unbelievable event in the sense that you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to meet people from literally all over the world that are coming to this. All Yankee fans, this is a this is a community on the on the on the rise. We are building the Bronx Pinstripes crew. We're going to be having multiple events. Get pumped up. This is going to be probably the best thing that's uh, that, that you've ever experienced at a Yankee game. <laughs> this just is say, good because it, there's. I think Yankee fans are amazing, but there is kind of a, a void of this kind of group at Yankee Stadium. I agree. Right? Other 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 stadiums, other teams have it. I'm not going to name which teams and and which groups they are. Right. But you and I both know who we're talking about, and we're jealous of those guys. Yeah, and we would love to uh, create a community of Yankee fans that can show up to Yankee Stadium and take the damn park over. No doubt about it. And we will always love and we always will have the Bleacher Creatures. They will always be there. And I think we just kind of want to add to that. I think we want to help them and and cheer on. Um, but we're going to do things a little bit differently in the sense that we're going to have organized uh, you know, parties beforehand, organized parties afterwards. We're going to make sure that we do a lot of things together. Like This is going to be a lot of fun and you're going to be able to do it with Yankee fans. People are going to be meeting their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their wives, their husbands in these groups. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> That's what's happening. There's, these are my expectations now when I, when I see 395 people together because the next event is going to be 1,000 because that's what's going to happen. So you need to be part of the first one. The first one is going to be amazing. So if uh, on birthright, I went on birthright, and uh, they always say if you meet your husband or wife on birthright, birthright will pay for the wedding. So if you meet your husband or wife at the Bronx Pinstripes event, Scott's going to pay for your wedding. <laughs> birthright, is that a website? Is that like a, a, it's a, it's a match.com? A, for, for, for Jews to go to Israel. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't I, See, I'm learning things. I didn't know that. No, that's that's interesting. I will not pay for your wedding, but... I will, I'll attend. You can invite me and I'll definitely be there and I'll drink all of your alcohol and we'll have a big party. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk about it on Brugs Pinstripes also. A couple more bits of housekeeping. Please take a minute to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It really helps us out. So go there right now, pause the show, give us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate it. Also, send in your mailbags for the Jeterverse A-Rod podcast. It's going to be the second half of Thursday's episode. We're going to have Rich Kaufman on. He's been on this podcast before. It's going to be the three of us breaking down the Jeter versus A-Rod relationship. It's going to get heated, I have a feeling. <laughs> so look forward to that on the second half of Thursday's episode. All right. We kind of talked about it. Tropicana Field, the house of horrors. Ugh. I hate it. It's dank. It's dingy. They've got rafters that knock the ball down. It's a fake stadium. It's a fake baseball team. It is. It's a Yankees town. It doesn't make sense that they're even in Tampa, in St. Pete, wherever the hell they are. But it's a house of horrors for the Yankees. They're 2-4 and four this season. They've stunk the last two years down at, at Tropicana Field. And it's not even like the Rays are a juggernaut. I understand if it's, you know, like 2008, the Rays were a great team. But this Rays team is mediocre. They've got Evan Longoria, who the Yankees cannot figure out how to the pitch Yankees. to. Like, please just stop pitching to that guy because he murders you. But, like, uh, this, that stadium, I'm so glad we don't have to go back down there till the end of the year. First of all, I cannot stand watching it on television. I don't know if anybody's with me on here, but like even like the contrast, like I have to adjust my television set, I feel like the color because it's so horribly it, I feel like I'm watching the the 90s baseball, like there's just high contrast. It's disgusting to watch. It really is. It looks it's, like it's in standard definition. Yeah, it's high too definition. green. <laughs> like I hate everything about it. Uh, you guys you have 
the catcher, the first baseman, and there's a fly ball. They can't see the goddamn ball because it blends in with the freaking ceiling. It's Holiday, such a joke. They missed a pop-up on, yes. uh, what was it, Friday? Or was yes. it Saturday? I think it, it was Friday night. It was one of the two. I don't blame him because the stadium is a joke. And they made the ceiling the same color as the ball. Well, what do you moron? Remember, I mean, do you remember really? the old um, Twins Stadium? Yes. How it used to have actual cir- white circles in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those were, those were to let light in. So baseball, round white baseball, would fly up into the air, and then you had to pick it out and, uh, out of a thousand white circles in the ceiling. That was a design flaw. Yeah, and you get blinded by the random like stream of sun through one little hole. It's just. Can we not color them the same color as the baseball? I, I I really don't understand how that got past round one design. I mean, it's pretty simple. George Costanza could develop a better and design a better stadium. Shouldn't the shouldn't the ceiling just be black? Like, is that too easy? I, I maybe it is. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. I don't know or why just, it can't be black, gray, or dark blue, or something that would something simulate darker? like a night game. Yeah, we could have like a planetarium. That would be cool. <laughs> It's a it's a terrible stadium, and and you know who hates it? I was listening to John and Susan in the car today, and they hate that place. They can't get over how much noise they pump in. It's so funny to hear John Sterling just bitch about that stadium. It's classic old man anger. It, it's it's a it's it's a beautiful. You, it's worth listening to them when the Yankees are in Tampa just to hear them complain about Tropicana Field. And you know they're probably already mad because everything I've heard about that place, I've never been there before, and nor. Nor have I been in that area when there's gridlock or bad traffic. But from what I hear, the traffic's terrible. So going into the place, you know Sterling's already pissed off because he's sitting in traffic. That's when, like, when you get that old man syndrome, traffic just builds that up. And then just you just start getting – you start grinding your gears when you're in traffic. And then you bring it all into the, the microphone. It's, it's beautiful. I love, I love old man rants. So I, I appreciate it. What stadium do you think is worse, Tropicana or Oakland? Tropicana. I hate Tropicana with a passion. So because it's indoors, Tropicana. at least at least yeah. Oakland's outside. Yeah, I. I mean, why do people hate Oakland? Because it's so big. Is that the? It's well. Just, apparently, it's like rat infested. <laughs> well, I mean, for the players too, or is that just a? Yeah, apparently the clubhouses are are beyond disgusting. Like, have yeah. not been updated since the '80s when Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire were sticking each other with needles in the asses. <laughs> they were experiment. They were lab rats. You could still see the needles from Conseco in the, in the corner. Uh, oh, it's infested with lab rats who, were getting, who got stuck with steroids. <laughs> Beefed up, juiced up rats yeah, just running around. Giant rats everywhere. Yeah. Just yeah don't you remember pressing. the flood a couple years ago at, at that stadium? And the visitors, um, visitors clubhouse and dugout was flooded in Oakland. No, I don't remember that. That's, yeah. that's pretty bad, though. They should uh, yeah. usually these places are pretty pretty high end, and from from what we heard, Tampa Bay is you know decent as far as the visiting media and such. So I mean that's what uh, that's what we were told. A Rod so, playing there's terrible. A Rod made his booth debut on Thursday night, and we kind of teased it on last episode that we were looking forward to it because A Rod is for better or worse, he's a lightning rod. We're talking about him a lot because he inserts himself into the conversation and notebook gate. When he posted that picture or Fox posted that picture of a rod preparing for the game and you zoom in on a rods, chicken scratch notes and see birth control babies (laughs) and pull out stuff. What the hell is that? We are looking into the mind of a madman. 
I just thought like I saw someone tweet. Someone got mad at us for tweeting it out. I'm like, okay, SI covered the story. Like everybody covered the story, and he was like, he's just writing notes so he can have the talk with his children. <laughs> like oh, okay, why, why okay. is that in the same notebook I, yeah. as the as the game notes for the the Royals versus the Yankees? Why, if that's happening, first of all, are you making notes? Like you should know those <laughs> things. I feel like off the top of your head, like I could go into that conversation and just kind of know what to say. Like I don't you think don't need I need flashcards pre- for that. Yeah, I don't need to prepare for that one. This two, why would it be in the game notes of the day of? And three, why, knowing that these notes are there that are just gibberish, like that he's like acting like he's studying this complete gibberish. Because on the opposite page, it had something about like, uh, being, uh, it said something about a gray party. It, it had just other random, random notes down about other random things. If you look at that, uh, they weren't as exciting, but they were still very random. I just don't understand why knowingly that there's a photographer behind you or somebody always taking pictures. Like, come on, A-Rod. Like, this guy just cannot help himself but be oh, it's, in, it's in, in the middle of, of every conversation and usually a bad conversation. It's amazing. Just for just for people listening at home that might not know, pull-out stuff is not a foolproof method. <laughs> no. I just want to say, A-Rod's setting a bad example with that is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, no, it's not foolproof, 100%. Do you think, do you think he's trolling at all? No, attention. I don't think he's that. I honestly think he's just such a mimbo that stupid <laughs> things like this happen. I really, he's, he's well, just so out of it. I think so I really think, do. So you think he's like a 14 year old trapped in a 42 year old's body who's worth half a billion dollars? Because that's the only explanation for writing those things on a notebook when he's getting ready to call a baseball game on national TV. That's if, the only explanation is he's a 14 year old. If somebody doesn't tell him what to do and when to do it and where to be and how to be there, he's not going to do that or be there or, or any of those things. He's look there were he he has a it's very it's very well known that when Arod made his uh, quote eroticence in, in your terms, there was a guy behind the there was a guy behind the guy steering him in this direction to telling him pr- practically showing him what to do and how to take your name out of the mud. Like this Who's guy is guy? very PR driven. I forget his name, but there is a guy, and there's a it's his firm, but it's 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 really one dude. A Rod Corp. Um, it's not A Rod, but I, he probably is behind A Rod Corp too. But what I'm saying is, he needs somebody there to help him and coach him through these things. He cannot be alone and do these by himself because this is what happens. He writes third grade things down in a binder, and then they take pictures of it, and then everybody sees it, and he's a joke. Like, what about that one picture he tweeted like a month back or two months back of him just like looking into the distance? The one that, that was like a meme forever. Oh, no, it was him holding his <laughs> no, head. No, it, it, was, it was him thinking deep yeah, thoughts. Like, come on, man. Like, who in their right mind tweets a picture like that knowing damn well that as soon as one person gets a hold of it, you're going to be a laughing stock of Twitter for at See, least 48 that's why, hours? That's why I think he might be next level trolling. No, I don't believe it. I don't think he's there. He's not that witty. He's not a witty guy. He's not a guy who like has that mentality to like, okay, I'm going to think ahead and do this. If that's the case, he never would have gotten caught for steroids. All these PR disasters would never have happened if you're that level of thinking. It's not happening. It's not. Look, I feel like we're burning or we're burning topics for Thursday show, so I feel like we need to hold back a little well, bit. No, no, no. There's a whole other there's multiple levels of the Gitaverse A-Rod stuff. This is this is purely on A-Rod being a psychopath. I just feel like you're giving him way too much credit if that's if that's part of the the mentality of what yeah, A-Rod's me, doing. Yeah, me calling him an internet troll is giving him credit. Way too much credit. <laughs> way too. He's not that smart. 
All right. Well, let's talk about what he actually talked about during the game because I actually think there was some positive feedback from his first game. And then he called the, the Mets game with Joe Buck on Saturday night. But we got some, some fun tidbits from A-Rod. First of all, apparently Aaron Judge lives in a hotel in Times Square. What the hell is that about? Couldn't hey. find a better location of Manhattan other than the busiest three blocks in the city? That sounds awful. Maybe that's where he wanted to be. He wanted to live in the middle of it. He's like, I, uh, he's a big young kid coming to the big city yeah. w- wants to experience all the bright lights of first Manhattan. First mistake, living in Times Square. Yeah. Everybody's got to blend in with all the other. You got to make a blend. He'll blend in with all the freaks there. Yeah. You got to make your first mistake in New York, right? I mean, everybody has to make a mistake in New York. Maybe that's his mistake. And if that's his one mistake, that's good for us. Hey, if he keeps producing on the field, he's leading the league in home runs, making diving catches. I don't care where the hell he lives. Right. Um, he called Didi the Bill Gates of shortstops because Which, apparently he's really good at technology, a.k.a. can post on Instagram. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't understand that one. That, that one's that's – that's like the – that's a pretty in- interesting comparison. It makes no and, sense it, is what it does. It's a freaking well, – it's, it's, a, it's a psychopath comparison is what it is. It's a ridiculous comparison. No, it's a classic he – he, last year, he thought Didi was very tech-savvy, and Bill Gates is literally the only person he could think of in tech. Okay, that makes sense, because A-Rod tags things with, like, people. If he's in a picture with somebody, he'll, he'll hashtag their first name, hashtag their last name, and then hashtag, like, whatever they're eating for the night. It's very strange <laughs> hashtags. Also, he, he uh, astutely pointed out that the Yankees started playing well after A-Rod made his final game, played his final game with the Yankees last year, kind of poking fun at himself, yeah. which... We definitely pointed out last year that things seemed to turn around once the youth movement came in and all the old farts were kicked out. So yeah. I think it was a successful first uh, debut in the booth for A-Rod. I'm looking forward to more because, for better or worse, if you love him or hate him, you, it's fun to talk about this weirdo. At least he's interesting, yeah. Another guy, another ex-Yankee who's making news in the media. Teixeira's comments about Jose Bautista, he said, quote, no one really likes Bautista. He was on the Michael K show. Uh, talking about how Bautista bat flipped in an eight to three ball game in in Atlanta, classic dick move by Bautista bat flipping in a meaningless situation. Bautista gets hit the next day, and Teixeira says, "Well, Bautista getting hit is on the table every night because he recalls players going to their pitchers and saying, if 'If you're going to hit someone, please just hit Bautista for me.' So I love this from Teixeira because how often." Do ex-athletes go to the media and then are just cardboard cutouts and don't say shit? No, it's 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 good. I'm glad he's saying it. I feel like he's kind of confirming what everybody thought or everybody knew that Jose Batista is a giant douchebag. Like this guy is a well-known. Even what did the Orioles, the Orioles manager or the uh, GM Dan was, Duquette said yeah, that said, like our fans hate him or something. So we're not gonna. Lines. Yeah, we're, we would never sign Batista because our fans hate him. Yeah. And that's probably the the under you know underlining theme for a lot of teams. I, I think that's uh, he's just he's just that guy that that nobody nobody likes. He's not even a guy like you you like to hate. Like he's just a dick. <laughs> I don't know. He's just one of those guys like you don't even want to deal with anymore because he's such a dick. Well, we talked about the bat flipping situation, and I was totally fine with it. And I think you were too in that Rangers playoff game. You you win a playoff series, bat flip all you want, but. Eight to three on a May ball game. There's no reason to bat flip. Yeah, the the situation has to call for what it is. And to me, it's uh, like I'm not I'm not one of those guys who enjoys all the hot dog stuff and the and the bat flips and all that. But 
if it's emotional and in the moment and it's just like emotionally that's what happens, then I'm fine with it. And guess what? There are consequences for those actions. So whatever. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to do it, expect to get hit. That That's that's the kind of baseball that I'm fine with because it, it, it manages itself. It kind of controls itself. The players go out and they, they make sure that things happen and they share if it. Uh, they share the game. Um, but yeah, n- at this point, there's no reason for that. Or expect to get your face rearranged by roof, net, or door. Yeah, love that. I mean, <laughs> all day. Baseball is in full swing. Coaches know the key to a winning season is a strong roster. They need players with the right skills and experience to get them from opening day to October. Companies are not different. Successful businesses need top talent. So where do you go when you need to scout for new employees? You should be using ZipRecruiter. You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post all you need to post on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. That's what make that's what makes ZipRecruiter different. Unlike other job sites, it does not depend on candidates finding you; it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get qualified candidates in just 24 hours. You won't have to juggle calls or juggle emails. You can simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So right now, our listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com Bronx. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com Bronx. If you want to try it for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. All right, we got a mailbag question about Jordan Montgomery. So we're going to kind of skip over that Thursday game in Kansas City. The Yankees were going for the sweep. So we'll we'll circle back to it in mailbags about Montgomery. But we kind of uh, already touched on how we hate Tropicana Field. But Friday night's game, Severino was coming off his terrible start against Houston. Uh, Girardi wasn't even there managing. He was at his, his daughter's graduation. Rob Thompson was filling in. Severino, I thought, uh, he, first of all, he threw way too many pitches. He ended up with 89. Again, again. This is not, this is, he just right. continues to do it. Way too many pitches. He's going 3-2 on everybody. It's not sustainable. So we've, this sort of becoming a, it was like, it would rear its ugly head a few batters. Now it's becoming too many batters. So he was at, I think, 40 pitches through the first, like, inning and in, almost two innings. He had over 40 pitches. Then he kind of settled down a little bit. 89 pitches. I would have let him pitch the sixth inning. Thompson pulled him. The bullpen did not pitch well. And this was the game that Longoria just murdered the Yankees with four hits. It's funny because Longoria comes into this game over 12. He's on the over 12 streak slumping horribly. <laughs> it's like he was just like, I'm going to get my slump out of the way right before I play the New York Yankees so that I can come out of it because I, you know, that's baseball season. So I'm just going to do that. And that's, that's exactly what happened. He waited and he torched the Yankees. They pitched to him. They pitched to him. They pitched to him. They pitched to him. And every time they pitched to him, he burned them. It's, it's, uh, it's clockwork. He was doing it with the glove too. He made a nice play running in um, on a, on a slow, slowly ground slow ground ball like the dude is just uh he he, he games up big time when he plays the yankees i, I don't it's know if i would have let him go I, i'm fine with thompson pulling him though at the same time because he was he was disappointing he was disappointing but the but the bullpen's already missing chapman so it's already one step thinner i i mean that guy how do you even say his name gallardos 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 I mean, he looked absolutely terrible uh but but warren and clippard both looked bad in this game People were pissed at Thompson for not pinch hitting Sanchez or Headley in the ninth inning. 
We found out that Sanchez had kind of a sore neck, so he was unavailable anyway. I guess you could have pinch hit Headley, but it's not like Headley's been lighting the world on fire. The game was not lost because they didn't pitch hit in the, pinch hit in the ninth inning. The game was lost because Warren and Clippard both pitched terribly, and also Ronald Torres couldn't make a tough play at third base that on that chopper. So that's how the game was lost. Yeah, there was a lot of... the First of all, the Torres, it wasn't even that tough of a play. I think he got a bad break on the ball, and he it ate him up. He, he, he just, he didn't get a... He didn't get the right break on it. I think he was a, it was a bad break. Ball goes under his glove. It was a, it was a terrible play. He should have he should have made the play 100%. Anybody playing third should have made that that play in the major leagues. There's no doubt. Uh Clippard was bad. And you know, Warren he's been so good for so many times that he's going to have a bad outing once in a while. So I'm not really I'm not really going to like sit here and just and and crap on Warren the entire time because to me, he's due for a bad outing once in a while. And uh, Severino is the problem in this game. I think he's the story of this game again because he, again, did not go any distance. He put themselves in a bad situation. And I, I told you on Twitter, I said this before, It's he's slowly, whether you want to admit it or not, becoming very much Nathan Avaldi-like. Getting through <laughs> five to six innings tops, you know, throwing a bunch of pitches. The difference is, is that Avaldi would put you in the ball game every single time. Severino's given up too many damn home runs, too. And he's just, he's not harnessing at all. The guy needs to be more aggressive and, and get these pitch counts down and let, let the, you know, bat hit the ball occasionally and, and actually develop as a, as a pitcher instead of just throwing and throwing and throwing. It's uh, it, it's becoming a problem. It seems like he's regressing. And this is what happened. This is, this is, this is something that's, that's happened in the past. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where he is mentally. I, and that was the original, that was the original problem we had with him. He had early success came back and was terrible and never really bounced back as a starter from there. We saw, you know, flashes early and that's the problem. When you see flashes of him, your eyes light up because he's so freaking good when he's on, but when he's off, he's hittable and very hittable and he can't locate. And it's a, it's, it's a problem. He really needs to rein it in. I don't, I don't know what exactly it is, but to me, just, you know, more strikes. It's just being around the strike zone more often and being more aggressive. He's got to trust his stuff that his stuff is good enough to get outs in the strike zone. So he doesn't I mean, need to. He doesn't need to strike everybody out. And that's a problem. Do you think that's just an? Do you think that's just an immature thing where he thinks he has to go and strike people out? I mean, and, I would guess rather than that, pitch to contact. Yeah, I would guess that for a young pitcher, that's scary. Pitching to contact for a young pitcher is scary. I, it would be my opinion. Is that something? That's probably something you learn as you get older. I guess, but again, it goes back to, like you said, trusting your stuff, knowing that it is good and they're not going to make hard contact. I mean, weak contact a lot of times is better than the strikeout because you're lowering your pitch count, you're keeping it manageable, and you know, you're getting through an inning. You're not running yourself into deep counts and then putting them into uh, you know, better, better counts for, for a hitter to be in and, and sit on that fastball that leaks over the middle of the plate. The frustrating thing is Severino can do it. We saw him match John Lester pitch for pitch on Sunday Night Baseball at Wrigley Field. That's a huge stage for a young pitcher, and he he stepped up. And then he's since the his two starts since then have been terrible. It's clear, it's very clear that this team, the pitching is going to be their downfall. Oh, hundred percent. The starting pitching. I mean, it, Severino was was bad again. Montgomery has been shaky at best, and he's a number five starter. And he's a rookie. You can't count on Jordan Montgomery. Right. Tanaka has been the worst starting pitcher, not only on the team, pro- probably in the American League. He's been the worst starting pitcher this year. 
Yeah, I got nothing to compare it to about the American League. <laughs> I know you you hope that's the case, but it's pro- it's probably there. I mean, he's been terrible. That's all I know. 656 ERA. He's been freaking awful. And it's it's so funny because the season has gone through the way that we've uh the way that the Yankees have, have actually like gone up and down with the pitching is you you look at who who's doing well and then who is doing poorly. It's it's like they're teeter-tottering back and forth because when CC was doing horribly, like Tanaka like found a better groove, like he was doing a little bit better, never was really good. But now CeCe's seems to be back pitching well again, and uh, now Tanaka's terrible. And it's like these guys, it's, it's a wave, and they just keep going up and down and up and down. Nobody, except for Michael Pineda, has been consistent. Michael Pineda has been the most consistent pitcher. Michael Pineda has been the most consistent pitcher. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't make you shit your pants as a Yankees fan, nothing will, because that's not going to last. And if I had told you that in the beginning of the season, that come June 1st, Michael Pineda would be our most consistent pitcher. You would have been like, hell yes. Where do I sign up? This is going to be, this, this means everybody else is doing really well too. Like there's a lot of good things happening. Well, no, no I would have said, okay, so he's been consistently bad okay, instead then, of up yeah. and down. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been amazing how the, uh, I, I really don't understand Tanaka. It's what's going on. It's mind boggling. Is he hurt? I, I don't know. I, he's, I, the velocity hasn't been terrible. Um, but he's leaving the ball up. I think that's the biggest problem is his location has been off. He's not locating the pitches. He's not putting it where the catcher's calling it. And that splitter is not splitting. It's not going down. It's, 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 there's not this, the sink is not there that, that it was when he's, uh, you know, on his game and, uh, he's leaving balls up in the zone. And when Tanaka leaves balls up in the zone for whatever reason, more than any other pitcher that I've seen in a long time, he gets shelled, shelled. And they go out of the park like one by one. It's bad. He uh, so velocity, I think, is deceiving because Chapman was injured, but he was still throwing 100 miles an hour, except right. his ball had no movement on it, it, had no life on it. So, even if Tanaka is still consistently at his 94 miles an hour, which for him is very, very good, it has no sink, it has no life on it, right? So, it's it's a, a 94 mile an hour flat fastball. We saw with Nathan Avaldi is batting practice, doesn't matter if you could throw 95, 96, 97, if it's flat and straight, you're gonna get crushed. So yeah, I think that you know there maybe there's some concern about what's going on in that arm because I know when you start getting a lot of movement on the pitches, you're doing other things that tweak your elbow or tweak your forearm, and there's just extra movements within that arm motion as you're throwing to get that downward action, to get that that sinking action. And uh, if he's not getting it and he's throwing just flat, to me that there's there's something going on mechanically, and they've already talked about that. They said that they knew they found the mechanical issue. There's something going on mechanically. And before this last start, they they quote that they had identified it. Uh, they had identified it, but obviously what, that, that wasn't they, the case. They moved him to the other side of the rubber. That was the whole mechanical uh, revelation that they had. Apparently, that was it. Was something very small. It and, worked uh, wonders. And it was subtle. Yeah, I, I no, just they're... don't understand if he's hurt. Then why? How was he throwing so well in spring training? Unless it just came on after so... that, and, and he threw too much in spring training. So maybe it happened sort of like Greg Bird's injury in the last week of, of spring training because do you remember he didn't allow an earned run in spring training until his last start? Yeah, yeah, and it was in Tampa, was it not? I believe. Or no, that was the game, that was the first game of the season. It was in like uh, Atlanta, wherever whatever it was. It was but but uh, I mean, he had that. And people are always. I've seen people point back. Oh, what about that complete game shutout against the Red Sox? Well, that was that's the that's the outlier here. 
the outlier is no longer the three home runs given up or the grand slam given up against Houston. I mean, that's become normal for him this year. And the outlier is that unbelievable pitching performance at Fenway. But it does show you that he still has the ability to do that. So that's why the injury thing to me is like, I don't, I, I if I were to guess, I, I would guess that there's something going on mechanically. He's in his own head and he's, he's doing, you can tell he's, he's getting extremely fed up with himself. He's definitely more, uh, more vocal and, and like he's showing his emotions more than he ever has. In my opinion, when you look at him, you can see the frustration all over his face before. If he's struggling, Tanaka usually can't tell. He's just kind of very straight faced doing whatever you could tell that this dude is frustrated. Uh, and that's just, I don't know for me, that's, that's, it's kind of leading me to the side that something's going on with the way that he's pitching the mechanics and something's not right there. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it, if it's the equation of, uh, you know, a hitter being in a slump and, and just being bad mechanics and going back to what they need to do. I don't know. Hopefully he can figure it out. But to me, it doesn't show injury. So, I, I mean, to me, though, it's a, I would almost welcome sort of a minor injury because that might be the answer uh, rather than just question marks. Yeah, but if there's a mechanical flaw, if there's something going on with mechanics, you could still you could still address that. And if it's if it's addressed, and then you're confident in the way that you fixed it within a week, I mean, you could fix that relatively quickly. Whereas if you're asking for an injury, whether it's a minor injury or not, those can linger, those can turn into more injuries. Like that's not what I want. I I don't want him to be hurt at all. I want him. I hope this is a mechanical issue because if it is, they can fix it. I mean, this I I might be naive and stupid here, but. How could a mechanical, quote-unquote, mechanical flaw be causing him to be this bad? I mean, he doesn't even... His his last few performances, he doesn't belong in the major leagues. That's how bad he's been. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you in, the, in this no, sense. Yeah, not, not, not laughing yet. I mean, he's allowed uh, seven home runs in four innings pitched. No, I know. The, the home runs have been ridiculous. It seems like every other person is hitting a, the ball out of the ballpark, and it's, and it's been early, too. I mean, they're, they're pounding on him. They're pouncing on him extremely early. This, he's, he's coming in with no chance, and, and they're taking advantage of it, and they're knocking him out early. It's a knockout punch. It's a Mike Tyson fight. Dude's not in the game. So I how get could it. a mechanical I, – I, I, again, how does a mechanical issue cause somebody who has been a very, very, very good starting pitcher. Some call him an ace. Some call him a number one. Now he can't even get out of the third inning. That's what how, I'm saying. I, I, I think when that, you how is it that different? It doesn't compute in my head. Well, I think when you get to a point and you're something is going awry and you can't figure out why it's happening, you're feeling fine, but but it's you're getting, not getting the same result as what you're uh, accustomed to. Then you start getting in your head. Then you start getting overly mental. You start you start aiming or throwing your pitches differently. You start looking at different things. Your your mind starts going over. I think the dude needs a sports psychologist right now as much as he needs a pitching coach. Yeah. I think there's. I think when you when you get when you get confirmed that yes, it's mechanical. If you feel fine, then why else is it happening? And that has to mess with you in the head. Do you think if you Yankees feel fine, get, you think the Yankees can get a group rate on a psychologist between him and Severino and Headley? Well, they don't need one for Michael Pineda anymore, so maybe there's a, you know, maybe they have Who one. Who did he go to? I don't know, but they should find that out because whoever the Dr. He James did, Andrews of sports psychology. Yeah, send he him, worked. Send him there. He worked. He worked wonders, and maybe he's on retainer, so they can you know just use him for somebody else. And that Girardi and Rothschild ejection was totally frustration with Tanaka boiling over. Rothschild gets thrown out for arguing balls and strikes, and then Girardi comes out bitching about why Rothschild got thrown out of the game. And I love it. He pulled a Lou Pinella. He pulled a Billy Martin. Covered home plate in dirt. I love when managers revert to being seven-year-olds when they're <laughs> angry. When they're angry. 
Let's just throw a temper tantrum because I don't know what else to do. I'm going to cover the home plate in dirt. It's amazing. So don't you think A-Rod would be a perfect manager then? Because then he could write in a third grade level and then also act like a third grader. It'd be perfect. He's got everything covered. I, first of all, I like it too. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. I think it's ridiculous and hilarious all at the same time. What pissed me off more than anything, I was so mad. I was so mad, like enraged, that the umpire did not clean off the plate after Girardi did that. I don't give a rat's ass who covers the plate. Clean it off. It's your freaking job. You're a professional umpire. The pitcher who was throwing a ball to the catcher, neither one of them covered the plate with dirt. Give them the professional courtesy of cleaning the plate off. How are you supposed to even call a strike or a ball when you don't know if it's going over the plate or not? Because you're a terrible umpire. You're egotistical. You're trying to insert yourself in the game. It was a joke. And the fact that Gary Sanchez had to come over there and swat it clean was a travesty to baseball umpires all over the This guy should be like socks and soap from all the other umpires. It's a joke. <laughs> Yeah, it was totally him being – it was Girardi being a seven-year-old and him being a five-year-old. I mean, they were just out-babying one another. I'm going to pout. I'm not going to clean the plate. I'm not going to do it. You can't see it, and I'm not going to clean it. What I tweeted, an ass. I tweeted the video of the minor league manager. He was the minor league's Braves manager getting tossed, and it was the time that he uh, used the rosin bag as a grenade. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen that video before, but it will forever be the greatest manager ejection in the history of baseball. Yeah, there's some good ones. I, I do I do appreciate a good manager ejection, especially when they get all into it and get their money's worth. Uh, the, yeah, like you said earlier, though, Sabathia comes out, and he's the one now that has seemed to uh, turn his season around after those those first few bad starts. And and I think Sunday is more what we can expect, expect from Sabathia, where he gets you through five innings. He's a number five pitcher, and he's old, and he's he, <laughs> he labors, and he's not going to have a lot in the tank. But he, he'll just kind of gut it out, uh, no pun intended, through uh, the, five innings. The amount of puns that you just threw in there, on, <laughs> on, you know, not, in, not on purpose, was, was phenomenal. The, uh, the dude, first of all, like the, the bad outings, if you, if you look back at those bad outings, they were, they were so weird because he, you know, it, it happened early. It happened in like the second inning. It didn't happen usually in the first. I think a couple of them he got knocked around in the first a little bit, but the second inning was bad. And then he would come back and pitch well in into the you know the fifth and the sixth inning. And I, I guess he just figured out the intensity level. We heard last week how how like angry CC was a good CC. So maybe they're just getting him pissed off in the beginning of the game. He gets through that middle and then he's he's into it. You know what I mean? He's he's sweating into the game and uh, he. I think he has to get that good sweat first until until he's really locked in. But this is what. Sabathia is and he's gonna have bad starts he's gonna have good starts and he's gonna have a lot whole bunch of mediocre starts we're gonna have to deal with that with Sabathia what we can't deal with is Severino and and Tanaka pitching like shit because this team is gonna have to make a move if they want to compete this year uh in their starting rotation if those two guys continue to struggle it's just I don't see a way for them to continue winning games with Tanaka and Severino pitching poorly the, the other side of the coin, too, I agree with you on that. When you're talking about CeCe, I mean, last week we were talking about giving him, you know, a few more starts. Like, he was at that point at, at, at this season. But now, for the last two starts, he's bounced back and, and pitched pretty well. So, how do you see that? I mean, to me, that's that's just saying that he's going to be there for the rest of the season. There really is not going to be a time where they're, they're going to be like, oh, well, he's done. Because, the, the, you know, these next two starts could just be around the corner. It seems like he corrects himself. So I, I feel like CC is pretty locked in as that number five guy for, or, you know, four or five, whatever you want to call him, for the rest of the year because 
you know damn well that the managerial staff is going to tell you that that next good start is just around the corner. The only way Sabathia is getting taken out of the rotation is injury, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think they're going to let him go out there and figure it out because I think it's for a lack of options also. Right, but you know, as you go on into the season too, if he's feeling good, if he's feeling like you know he says he's strong and nothing is hurting, the knee is good, then you you want CC Sabathia, a guy who's been there a million times, with you on 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 a on a you know a pennant run. If you're if you're actually making a run at, at the AL East, you almost want that guy there because you you could trust his experience, um, and if he's feeling good, then you, you're going to trust him to go out there, even if he's pitched poorly a few times. You're going to go out there and expect him to uh, to get you through, you know, five six innings. I, if you I feel also, like that's how Girardi feels. If you also look at his 2015 and 2016, he he actually does better in the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, if anybody's calling for CC's job, I'm not seeing it. Any, I think he's going to be here for the duration. It's. Uh, I also want to talk about Gardner because he hit the two run home run that kind of was the difference in, in the game on Sunday. He has eight home runs on the season, and it's eight home runs over the last 20 games. He's already out-homered his season last year. He only hit seven last year. I mean, the, the dude is on fire. We know Gardner's a streaky player. We saw it in 2015 when he was an all-star uh, for his amazing first half. Do the Yankees try and sell high on him? Is now finally the time when Gardner gets traded? No. <laughs> I, I, I think at this point they're going to ride him out. I, I don't... I don't see it happening. He's a ride or die bitch. Yeah, I think the Yankees. Uh, I think they. I, I think. I think there's a lot of things that are different now. You know, from from what we were saying in the beginning of the year and spring training before we this team actually has excelled as much as they are. That there is a there is a certain chemistry in this clubhouse right now, and there's a very good mix between young guys and old guys. And I think if Brian Cashman interjects in that and puts himself in the middle of that and ships out one of those guys who was a very crucial part, who's also playing well, but is also helping the young guys or just whatever. You don't want to mess up that mojo. And I feel like the mix of, of vets and young guys right now is like at that perfect point. And I, I, there's that, you're not going to get back value enough to trade Brett Gardner. You're going to get what, what a four or five pitcher that that's going to give you the same thing as the guys you're pulling up from triple a you're not going to get anything in return so at this point you might as well write them out well i think you might be able to get similar to what they got for beltron last year which is no some minor league some minor league pitching no way you're not getting Why? A, you're not because beltron is a guy that's has a much better track record beltron's a guy who could come in and change a game in a second with the home run ball this is this is not what brett gardner is i understand but, it's happening over the last 20 games but i don't think any team is going to buy on what's happening over the last 20 games but when you look at his career and you look at what he's done in the past 3 years you're seeing a guy that also plays hurt a guy who does get hurt a guy who's streaky you're not getting the same value as a carlos beltron no way Beltron only fit in a few teams last year because he was a DH and only a DH. Gardner's right. a great outfielder as well, and he's locked up for reasonable money for next season as well. I, I just Yankees, well, I mean, the Yankees are going to have to do something in their outfield. We know Ellsbury, you can't move that contract, so they're going to have to either trade Gardner or they're going to have to eat Ellsbury's money if they want to fit in their young outfielders. They've got Frazier, uh, Fowler, Blake Rutherford. They've got a number of young outfielders in their system. That yep projects to be in this roster and we know clearly the love affair with Aaron Hicks has finally come to fruition with Brian <laughs> Cashman so Aaron Hicks ain't going anywhere so I mean I, I see the, what there's a lot of guys in this outfield and two of them are old you're right and I think at this point I think Gardner's gonna play until he's he's not good anymore uh, until he's riding this out 
And I think they will eat Ellsbury's money. I, I really, I, I think, I think <laughs> at some gonna point be a, that's it's going to happen. Gonna be big. It's going to happen. Mean, no one's, no one is taking Jacoby Ellsbury's money. Not even like, maybe they might take five million a year. I'm not so saying you're, you're this still year. I'm not eighteen million. But look, we have to look past this year. I think as well when we're talking about these guys, because some of these AAA guys, I think they're they're at, with the way that the season's going. And I think again, the. The trajectory of the season is changing things. It's tr- changing. The, it's it's a it's a pivot on the game plan because they're way better than they thought they were. And when you have a team that's in contention, you got to have those veteran guys who've been there before. It's just it's it's part of the fabric of the team at this point, and you can't disrupt it. You have to be very careful when you do that. If you do that, you're going to get blamed. And Brian Cashman is in a place of success right now. He does not want to get blamed for something, you know, like moving a piece like that. So I think there's going to be a lot more patience with that. And you know what? If Frazier and Fowler and these guys have to stay in AAA for a little while, then they're going to stay in AAA for a little while. Looking into next season, I could see Ellsbury being one of those guys where, you know, next year at some point they're going to eat that contract. I could see it happening. And Gardner, who knows next year? I I, I don't think he's getting past this year, but we've said that how many years now? Have we three, said in, three in a row. Ever yeah. since this podcast has been uh, existing, we've talked about trading Brett Gardner. Right. So so I guess he's not going anywhere because he's just he's he never does. So why would he now? All right, let's get into mailbags. The first question is from Drew Watkins, and he says, I have an idea for a trade. Why not trade Gliber? The Yankees could trade him for a starting pitcher since that is where the need is, and as of right now, I don't see him having a spot in the bigs in the near future because I believe the Yankees will re-sign Didi. I know moving him to third is an idea, but I think the Yankees should target Machado when he becomes a free agent. With Didi and Starlin both playing extremely well, as in the vast majority, uh, as is the vast majority of this team, why not use Gliber as a piece for some quality starting pitching and win this year? <laughs> and as we recorded this episode, Gliber Torres promoted to AAA after just 32 games in AA, which is what both you and I kind of predicted. Um, yeah. He just needed to get his feet wet in AA, and then they were going to bump him up as soon as he could. And he's had, I mean, he's had uh, his stats overall. In double A, don't look that great because he had a horrible first two weeks and he was injured. But since his injury, he's been lighting it up. Yeah, and There's, I think that I think a lot of people have been you know putting the the slow start to the injury, and that's that's the reason because right. he's he's out of the gate after when he's come back, been on fire. I I I honestly I think Glaber Torres is completely off limits. I don't see a situation in which they would trade him. I agree with you with Glaber Torres. I think a lot of these other guys are not off the table. I think Glaber Torres is one of those guys that they see as a major part of the organization moving forward. They're not going to go after this year and and you know put put in jeopardy the next four to five years. They're not gonna they're not gonna get the one championship to sacrifice the empire that they are currently rebuilding. It's not gonna happen. But at the same time. You will see a lot of these other prospects I, that I, that we never thought would be moved. I think they're on the table, and they're some of these guys are are. Uh, there's just too many. There's too many guys. Not enough spots. Something's got to give. The pitching's got to improve. We're heavy everywhere else but pitching. Uh, Justice Sheffield is the the number one prospect right now as far as pitching goes. There's some guys. Chance Adams has been pitching well. Caprillion, obviously, we know is done for the next year plus two years probably, and. That's it. There's not much pitching else, you know, in the in the minor league. So they have to go out and get something. And the way that you do that through free agency, and we know what that is. It's pretty damn dry, unless you're looking at Tanaka, who's like the the headliner. <laughs> and then and then it's you know a bunch of a bunch of 
guys that are way way lower in uh, in stature. So they're going to have to make a trade. That's that's look around. That's what's going to have to happen. It it totally made sense for the Cubs to trade Torres, not only because they had uh, young players in the major leagues, but also they had not won a World Series in 108 right. years. The situation so, was different. Winning a World Series for the Cubs, mortgaging any slight future for that one win, is a hundred percent makes sense. Does not make sense for the Yankees. No. Uh, Gleyber Torres is the cornerstone of, of the team going forward. I think. Yeah, and and again, I'm not looking forward to 2019 with the with with the Machado and I the other guy that I we've can't. tabled. It's not, it's, no, because if you look what look what just happened. I mean, people were 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 balking at the fact that. This meant nothing, and I disagree. The fact that that uh, Bryce Harper got that that extension for next year, even though he was already under contract, was to me an olive branch, and uh, an olive branch that was thrown out and accepted by Boris and Harper and the team, and saying, "This is hey, we're going to take care of you now. Don't forget this. Come back to us. We're going to pay you." <laughs> yeah, right. I'm telling you, shocked. that's that's exactly what's happening right now. There, there's, there's, there are already negotiations starting. I'm telling you, I, I believe that Harper's going to stay in Washington. I think he's, they're going to sign some ridiculous contract and because they have the, as much money as anybody in baseball, they do. And then you're looking at Machado as a guy that who the hell knows where he's going. So let's stop preparing for that because it very well might not happen. What do you make of the Torres going to AAA after just 32 games? I, I see it as they had him on the fast track from the beginning. They had to make sure he was healthy and they want to see him in AAA. They want to see him succeed in AAA. Like Cashman was saying, he's got to knock down the door to get into the major leagues and they're going to give him that opportunity. So Tyler Wade has been the primary shortstop in Scranton and he's been lighting it up. Do you think the Yankees have any sort of notions of Tyler Wade is closer to the major leagues, so let's put Torres in AAA? I think it's more of the notion that I think Glaber can play different positions and they still want to put him in different positions. And Tyler Wade also is, you know, he's, he's, he's primarily, like you said, has played the shortstop, but he's also played in the outfield. He's, he's kind of played all over the place. And I think uh, this is going to give an opportunity for Glaber to go out there, get his at-bats to the AAA, which I think is the most important thing, uh, but then also rotate him around to different positions. Because, like right now, there's no shortstop spot for Glaber Torres. There's no second-base spot for Glaber Torres. Third base, you know, it's it's up for debate whether you whether it's his spot or if it's Headley's spot, depending on who you're asking. But I mean, that's the probably the closest position that he could get into. The point is, is he's got to be flexible, I think, and I think they're going to do that. But they want to see if he's ready with the bat at AAA before they can even think about any other move. So, no, I think it's more about Glaber just being ready to go up to AAA. It's it's awesome news if you're a fan of Torres and a fan of the Yankees. I mean, it it shows that he is everything that they thought he was up until this point. So yeah, and it's it's given us our two top two prospects one step away from the major leagues. That's awesome, right? That's that's great news. Yes. Um, next question is from Dan. He says, "I haven't had a lot of confidence watching Montgomery pitch lately. Do you think it's time to give someone else a chance?" And you're looking at Montgomery, who has come back down to earth a little bit. I think the first couple of starts, he was, he had some bad luck. It seemed like he was running into some bad home runs late in the game. Um, I think he's throwing too many. He's, he's walking too many guys. That's one thing. He's he's getting himself into trouble. And uh, no, I think I think you're still going to see him go out there. But there are some guys that are are knocking on the door. I mean, Chad Green's been pretty damn good out of the bullpen. I don't know if if they're you know their eyes are lighting up. And seeing him that good out of the bullpen and want to keep him there, but he's still relatively stretched out, right? I mean, he pitched what three innings the other day, so you know he, he's a guy who could slide in there as well. Montgomery is like you said; he's walking too many people. It seems like he loses the strike zone for an inning, and then 
That inning, he might give up the big three-run home run. John Sterling had an absolute gem on Thursday night and said, <laughs> well, if Montgomery could just avoid the three-run home run, he'd be fine. Uh, breaking news, everybody. Giving up three-run home runs is bad. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Great insight. He's allowed three this season, Montgomery has. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's putting himself in positions by walking guys, too. It's... uh. He needs to he needs to polish that up, but he's a young dude. I mean, this is this is a a guy that we didn't even expect to be you know in this position at all. We were, he wasn't even on the on the radar be, in the beginning of spring training. He kind of pitched himself into this position, so you got to give him the the credit for getting there. And you know, maybe now is the time where he has to make those adjustments to take it to the next level and be more consistent. Dan said, "Do you think it's time to give someone else a chance?" And I kind of uh, that word "chance" got me got my ears perked up yeah. because a lot of people want to see Chance Adams who also was recently promoted to AAA. He's had a great season in the minors, eight starts overall, 1.15 ERA, 43 strikeouts, and only 29 hits allowed in 47 innings. The thing is, though, he's only 22, and he was just promoted to AAA. Pitch, moving pitching up is different than moving uh, position players up. It, it, it's a slower process. And you're probably going to see him struggle a little bit. You're going to see him go through ups and downs, but I think he's a guy also that they, they feel like is on the rise and and on the relative, qu- I think the Yankees are throwing things against the wall, kind of like we said in the beginning. That fifth starter, the you know the middle relief guys, they're going to throw things against the wall. They're going to see what they're you know cultivating in AAA and who can succeed in AAA to get that next call and maybe earn a permanent spot. That's what they're looking for. There's some they're looking for somebody to win that job and and kind of take a stranglehold of it. Maybe Chance Adams is the next guy. Who knows? But I mean, I think that they're going to keep Montgomery there for. You know the foreseeable future. I don't really see a reason for them to move him just yet. I mean, are you? Do you think that Chad Green is the next guy to get in there, or is he going to stay in the bullpen? Is Chance Adams the next guy? I think there's so many options. I don't think Montgomery's pitched bad enough to get taken out of the rotation, especially when you look at everybody else, right? I mean, <laughs> especially when you've got you've got Tanaka and Severino going out there and getting shelled. So Montgomery's pit, he has not been great, but he's been good enough to to keep running out there. And, and Chad Green, yeah, I think Chad Green is an option. I think Brian Mitchell is an option. All of the guys competing for that fifth starter spot at the beginning of the season are options to take Montgomery's spot. I just don't think he is pitched bad enough to make a move. It's, it's not, I mean, Chad Green's been great in the bullpen. He got, he got you out of a jam uh, last Sunday against Houston. And he got you out of any, and he, he kind of kept you in a game or this weekend in Tampa, but is that good enough to bump Montgomery out of the starting spot? I, I don't think so. And Montgomery has also showed times that he is deceptive and he can get major league hitters out. So I, I think he, this is what a rookie pitcher is. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. The team has to be willing to take the bumps and they're going to get it. Whether I don't care whose name is on the back. Well, if you're, if you're a true Yankee fan, there is no name on your back, by the way, on your Jersey. But if you're, if you're looking at the, the, who's the fifth starter and you know who that guy is, it doesn't matter. They're going to, they're going to take their lumps in the major leagues. Every single one of them. There's no, there's none of these guys are going to come in and light it up. I just don't see that happening. So you're going to have a revolving door again on that fifth starter. And hopefully at some point, someone can progress enough where they, they take that job, you know, for the duration. But I still think it's going to be, what have you done for me lately? I want to repeat because I don't know if we've made it clear enough. The problem is not the number five starter on this right. team. It's the number one and number two starters. How do you justify getting rid of a fifth, number fifth starter when your number one and two starter are shitting the bed every other time out or right. every time out for the right. last two or three? Heck, if Tanaka has had the stats of what Montgomery has right now, 
I don't think we'd be this upset at Tanaka. <laughs> oh God. What do we have? It's next? amazing how our how this team is in this position they are. It really is when you look well, at the Well, it's getting me pitching. worried that it's not gonna last much longer if the the pitch the offense has been great. The offense go will go into struggles, but I think they're good enough. They have enough good hitters to hit yeah. their way out of it. But you can't overcome six runs in three innings. Two, uh, five runs in two innings, every two out of every five times out, it's impossible. Yep. You will lose ball games. This one's Ooh. from Zach Waters. He said, I was at tonight, tonight's, uh, he says, Monday, May 15th, Rell Riders game, which ended in 12 innings with a walk-off grand slam against the Paw Sox. In the bottom of the ninth, Dustin Fowler hit a game-tying two-out double, and then Frazier struck out to end the inning with the winning run on second. He then proceeded to break the bat over his knee. So far this season, Frazier has seemed to struggle while Fowler and Tyler Wade have been playing incredibly well. What are your thoughts on these three prospects and their starts? And who do you think will most likely is the most likely to become an everyday part of the Yankees' future? If I had to bet, I would say Fowler ends up on the team in a year or so, and Frazier sees himself traded away for some pitching. Fowler, Frazier, and Wade are all three of the guys that we kind of teased earlier that are definitely on the trade market if the Yankees want to go out and get starting pitching this season. And you're looking at Fowler. I think uh, he's obviously the guy that I think people don't know as much about because um, I mean, just I think he was uh, he's not on the on the top prospect list of he's he wasn't involved in the trade. He wasn't rumored to take the the starting shortstop job out of out of uh, spring training. So he's the guy that that not many people know about. But I mean, this is a guy last year who hit in you know in the two eighties, hit for power. He can run the bases really well. The guy's a, a good defender. He's the guy that's he's just a, a good kind of like a Ben Gamble type ball player, if you will. Um, Frazier obviously has the fanfare. Everybody knows who Frazier is. They know what he is. They know he's got a little bit of a, a hot streak to his personality as well. Um, but he has come on lately. He he had a slow start, but I think he's come on quite a bit lately. So I'm not really counting him out by any means. I still want the Yankees to keep Frazier. And I would love the idea of Clint Frazier, Blake Rutherford, and Aaron Judge in the outfield sooner rather than later for the Yankees. I mean, that would be a dream come true of an outfield if, if all those guys pan out. And and I don't care that Frazier snapped the bat over his leg in anger. No, it's emotion. Who cares? That's what's, like, what's does wrong every, with that? Does every player have to be the same cookie-cutter player? I mean, it's great that Aaron Judge is mild-mannered and he hits 500-foot home runs, but would I could never see him breaking a bat over his knee, even though I feel like he could just break do, it with one hand. That's how strong he is. Yeah, he would do it without his knee. <laughs> but but if Frazier's out there snapping bats over his knee, like, fine, Give it to me. It's going to be, it's going to, that will play with fans. First of all, you, you do understand that Blake Rutherford's in Charleston. This dude's years away from, no, I, no, from being. All I'm, all I'm saying is that uh, an outfield of all, um, Prospects. all players from your system yeah. is a dream come true. I mean, that's not only economical, but it's also just fun. No, it's true. And I think Fowler goes under the radar. I think Fowler's the guy that, that because nobody really knows who he is, he doesn't have the uh, the personality that Frazier does. He didn't come over in a trade, so he wasn't really identified, you know, all over the media when when they were trading some of their big guys. He goes under the radar, but he's a hell of a player. The guy is improving consistently. He's well, he's a three hundred hitter now. Um, he hits for power. He runs the bases well. He's a dude who who is a a good ball player and should not be overlooked. I mean, he could definitely I, he feels more like the guy because he's not such a high prospect that would get the call up and do well. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy that if if there was an injury, like I don't think they would call Frazier up immediately because I feel like 
Frazier's the guy that they want to give a job to at some point or have at least earn a job. But Fowler feels like that fourth outfielder type who could come up and really just strike a chord and do well. Yes, if if there's an injury or something with a with a current outfielder and they need to call somebody up, it will be Fowler instead of Frazier if it's going to be a temporary thing. Right. Yeah. Fowler's been great this season. Like you said, 300 hitter. He's got 21 extra base hits. I was reading a little bit about him because he's not as well known. He's ranked eighth in the Yankee system. And some scouts say that his left-handed swing, it's really quick. He he pulls the ball really well. Could play well for power numbers at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so there's a bunch of things to look at. Uh, Tyler Wade's the third guy that was uh, was talked about in the in the mailbag. And Tyler, I mean, look, this he started out ridiculous. He was hitting like 400 for the first few weeks of the season. Uh, he's been all over. He's been stealing a ton of bases, right? I mean, uh, 12 stolen bases from the leadoff spot. He could play different positions. Like, this is an asset. This is a guy who we thought, in all honesty, that Rob Refsteiner was going to be, right? We thought well, Refsteiner's not a shortstop, but he could play all these other positions. He can hit. Well, Tyler Wade is out ref snidering ref snider right now and uh and looks to be the the utility guy that they could use so Torres, in my opinion is a is a, a bad slump away from getting uh replaced does ref snider even still play baseball <laughs> i do believe he's still in the team i feel so bad for that guy i feel like he's gotten beaten over the head i do feel bad for him uh last question is from seymour butts and i don't think that's his real name says, hey guys, random question, but I was wondering how both of you feel about Michael K. My entire family can't stand the guy, but I never thought he was too bad. Also, what other announcers are you both fans of outside of Yankees, outside of the Yankees team? Love the show, by the way. Congratulations on all the success over the past year. I forgot to take that out. Didn't mean to read that. I'm like Ron Burgundy over here. <laughs> shit, shit. The, uh... I don't have a problem with Michael K. I don't. I know people either love him or hate him. For some people, like really don't like him. I, I really don't understand it. Uh, I don't know. I've never had a problem with him. I, I think he's a. I think he's a fine commentator. He's a New York guy. Um, I've never really had a problem with him. I do know that some people just don't. He rubs people the wrong way, and I think maybe because he uses big words sometimes and he tries to overpower you with his vocabulary. I, I don't know if that's it, but I've never had a problem with him. I yeah. I I think he's. Um... He's kind of he he's a middle of the road broadcaster for me. I don't I don't love him or hate him. I know a lot of people don't like him because he tries to uh, turn the Yankees broadcast into a radio show. Sometimes I think that's one of the biggest complaints about him. Yeah, well, and to be fair, I mean, he used to do the radio, you know, on WABC with Sterling. So he started out as a radio guy. He I think he tries to in, inject a lot of. Just stuff, right? He he just he does talk a lot. He puts a lot of uh, his commentary in. He talks about a bunch of guys. I don't know. I, I think that the yes staff has such a a different dynamic than most other uh, broadcast booths because there's so many interchangeable guys that these guys have to be pretty flexible in the way that they talk and how they interact because they're never really the it's they don't have a consistent partner all the time. I mean, there's a lot of interchanging parts. Yeah, there's so many broadcast teams that are just the same two guys for 162 games. Yeah. Uh, as far as somebody outside, I'll tell you, a guy who has who's really impressed me lately, and uh, he used to do the Mets stuff. I don't think he was a, I don't think he was a color guy for the Mets. I think he was more of like a, you know, he would be on the outfield or whatever. It is uh, Kevin Burkhart. I've seen him a lot of the national stuff lately. He's working for Fox now. He's working with A Rod. He's he's A Rod's boy, hanging with him. They're always together. But I actually think he's a really good. Um, I think he's a really good in the booth guy. I think he's good in the studio. I think he's just good at what he does. Yeah. I'm a fan of AJ Pruszynski. Oh, get the hell and out of here! And then put him in there with the Sunday Night Baseball crew, 
And that that's my dream for foursome in the booth. Can we have a Przinsky A Rod call? <laughs> that would be I, entertaining. A- I like A Rod. I know you don't, but uh, but I'm saying put them two to, the two of them together. I mean, I don't, who would who would stop talking? <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for the mailbag questions. If you want to submit questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. You can find Scott at Scott Reinen and call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. We have voicemails. They're going to take you out. It's becoming one of the most popular parts of this podcast. So enjoy these voicemails. I have a feeling some of them might be directed at Tanaka. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Yo, what's up, guys? It's Chris from Toronto. I'm loving all of these stupid Blue Jays fucking bandwagon fans, but I got to talk about Chris Carter here. I hate what, even when he hits a home run, even when he does one thing good for this team, I hate him. He couldn't hit soft toss if his grandfather was tossing to him. The guy swings with one arm, lazy ass man, throw holiday at first till Bird picks those ABs up in AAA. God! Uh, I would like to second the voicemail that we heard earlier today on the podcast. Definitely want to talk about Michael Pineda's hairline. Um, like, what the fuck's going on? And I would also like to table the emotion for a weekly show uh, regarding the relationship between Derek Jeter and A-Rod. Uh, can literally go on forever, and I listen every week. Don't give a shit. Rob Thompson's a moron. Andrew from Mel's Kitchen. Now, I don't fucking care if uh, you need to put Tanaka in the DL. Bring up Chance Adams, whatever. You want to win a championship, you cannot have this guy uh, carry the team on his back. It's it's not going to happen. Bring up Chance Adams, trade for Garrett Cole. Hey guys, Kyle. I cannot fucking stand Tanaka. Are you fucking kidding me? Every game, three home runs? And what are we doing with Chris Carter still in the lineup? He's a goddamn black hole and a He's just like Hicks last year. With the no-hitting, but Joe continued to ride him. Like, he's going to get a fucking hit once every 15 games. We really need to set this shit out with the ball. So, well, uh, I'm about to lose my mind. Massa, there goes my hero. Watch him as he gives up home run after home run after home run after home run. This message is for Massa Hero. Hey, buddy. Go get your Tommy John surgery and leave us the fuck alone until next year. You are killing us. I can't do it anymore. I can't watch Tanaka go out there throwing low 90s, lobbing balls in there to everyone on 0-2 count. I'm so sick of it. I'm trying so hard not to curse. This guy is awful. If he's in a Yankee uniform in two years, I swear I'm going to the Steinbrenner's house and I'm doing something. The worst part about this whole debacle with Tanaka is he's no longer going to opt out and we're stuck with him with his money and this kind of bullshit that happens every five days. It's a bunch of horse shit. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.